0: Dear friends in Christ, every day when I get the mail, I go through it as many of you do and separate the junk mail from the more important mail. Sometimes it's hard to know the difference. There are some times when you, you uh, see a, an envelope or a letter that, that says you qualify as part of a very select group to receive this letter. And you're flattered until you notice that it's addressed to occupant. <laughs> it's especially uh, at Christmas time that we do get a lot of mail. The mail pies up, piles up day after day. And we often get very nice looking Christmas cards. And we don't know who it's from. And we open it up, and it's from a company that wants our business. And we thought it was from a friend or relative, another piece of junk mail. When we open the pages of Scripture, we find that the message there is both personal and very important. God doesn't send any junk mail to us. Thus, this message that we have week after week is to be examined carefully. For there may be in these words, in those pages of Scripture, words that can change our lives. We find an example of that in our gospel today in the message of John the Baptist. The message of John, of course, was delivered in such a powerful way that the people from Jerusalem came out in throngs. Scripture says, to the Jordan River to hear this man preach. For John spoke with authority and authenticity, concerning the key elements of having a right relationship with God. This was no junk mail message. John the Baptist was unusual for a number of reasons. First of all, there had been no prophecy in Israel for about 400 years since the prophet Micah. And I'm sure that through that time there was no shortage of so-called prophets. But no one listened to them. It had been 400 years since God spoke through an authentic prophet from him. So all of Israel was waiting for that one who was to come. And scripture said that when another authentic prophet came, that would be a sign that the Messiah was near. And so all of Israel was waiting for this type of prophet. And when John the Baptist began to speak, and many thinking that he was this authentic prophet, it was a sign to them that maybe, just maybe, the Messiah was just around the corner. Secondly, John was saying some very hard things. And this too was an indication that he was not a false prophet, because somehow we realize that those who speak clearly The words of God will not always say just the most fluffy, easy words. Sometimes these words are hard to accept, dealing with discipleship and grace and so on. Those things that are costly, you see, are ultimately the most worthwhile. The Revolutionary War soldiers who stayed at Valley Forge had no pay, no rations, and no chance of victory. But because they believed in the message, in, in that, that message of freedom in their hearts, they were willing to put up with those kind of conditions. Those who want to join the army of the Lord, John says, must realize that it may not be an easy road. John demanded something from his hearers. He demanded repentance, and he demanded change. And those are signs, you see, if we take the message seriously. This is first-class male. This is important stuff. And John knew that. Jesus called him the greatest of the prophets. In his dress and in his mannerisms, And in the message of repentance, John kind of identified with a lot of the Old Testament prophets from years ago as he ministered out there in the wilderness. In a sense, John was telling the people symbolically that they were in a a spiritual wilderness, far worse than the, the physical wilderness that their ancestors had to travel through for 40 years. John, you see, called the people to leave their spiritual wilderness, trust in their new leader, this new Messiah that was to come, and repent of their sins as a way of showing that they were serious about their lives and about this new relationship. John also was careful to magnify and lift up Jesus and not himself. He says in our scripture today, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thongs of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John's message and his baptism were simply words of preparation that the people needed to hear in order for them to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. Some of our Lord's disciples themselves were probably baptized by John the Baptist. Let's pretend for a moment that we were there experiencing John's ministry. Listen to one author who has written the story as if he was there himself. I had overheard people on the street talking about this man named John. Some said he was a little crazy. Others said that John spoke with authority and that he spoke the truth. I became curious about this man's message and decided to go and hear him myself. So I started walking towards the Jordan. In fact, I surprised myself. I'm usually a pretty calm person, but something inside me made me want to run. I was almost out of breath when I saw a large crowd. It looked like the whole town was out there by the Jordan, straining to see this wild-looking man. But they were all very quiet, too, as they listened to him, and I could hear him speaking. He shouted, "'You have broken the covenant God made with Abraham. "'You do not deserve to be called sons and daughters of Abraham and Sarah.' You have called yourself God's chosen people, but you act as if God doesn't exist. Your only hope is to stop and turn around and live up to the covenant. You are unclean people, and you need to have yourselves washed clean all over and start fresh. Repent and be baptized. Well, he didn't have to shout. His words burned in my heart like the morning after eating too many spicy foods. I could not walk away. In fact, I worked my way through the crowds until I could see him. What a sight! He looked like he didn't, hadn't been around people for a long time. His rough coat looked and smelled like a camel. He had a crude leather belt on, and he nibbled on food that looked like something right from the desert. But when he looked at me in the eye, I felt like he was looking inside me. He knew that I put on a good face. He knew I tried to keep up a good front. He knew that inside I didn't want to face who I really was. But the strange thing about him was that he was so direct, yes, but he was not unkind, He knew I had potential to be a child of the covenant, and he knew that I was looking for some solid handles to make my insides calm, as calm as my appearance was. When he said, repent and be baptized, I thought he was inviting me to start a new life. I certainly didn't feel that he was standing over me like some holy Joe telling me what I should be doing. I wanted to start over, And he made me feel as if I could. Well, we think about that. Where is our life today? If we were there by the Jordan, John speaking to us, how would we react to his message? Most people, even today, look like they have it all together. But what's really going on inside of them day by day? What would John see if he could look straight into their eyes? Do you today long for a fresh start in your spiritual walk? Some of you have seen the movie My Fair Lady. It's the story of a poor, crude flower lady in London, who was taken in by a rich language teacher and taught how to speak eloquently, how to walk, and how to dress like a princess. And he did that. He changed her. In the same way, you see, a dramatic change can take place in our lives as we submit to the instruction of our master teacher, who through the power of the Holy Spirit seeks to continually transform us into a new creation. There was a London businessman named Lindsey Gregg who told the story of, of a warehouse property that he was selling. And the building had been empty for months he writes, and needed a lot of repairs. Vandals had had got into the building and damaged the doors and smashed the windows and left garbage all over the place. And he showed this warehouse to a prospective buyer. He went out of his way to remind this prospective buyer that before he bought the warehouse, he would make sure that all the windows were replaced and all the garbage was cleaned up. But the buyer said, Don't worry about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building, you see. I want the site. You see, that's God's message for us today. Compared with the, the renovation God has in mind, our efforts to improve our own lives are as trivial as sweeping out a warehouse that's going to be torn down. And some people try to clean up their lives, you see. When God doesn't want someone just to try on their own efforts to clean up, he wants to start from scratch. When we become gods, the old life is over. He makes all things new. All he wants is the site and the permission to build. All we have to do is to give him the property, and he will do the necessary building. John the Baptist pointed to the one who could transform us, the one who could take away our sins and and, and make us clean. He pointed to the one who can give us that fresh start that we need by the power of the Holy Spirit. John boldly, as a prophet of God, declared that the waiting was over. The Messiah would soon be here. He was saying, joy to the world. The Lord has come. He came to make your life and my life a brand new thing. May we again, in this Advent season, experience his transforming power. Let's pray. O oh Lord, we thank you for the ways that you prepared the world for the coming of your Son. We thank you for the ministry of John the Baptist, who, who came to call people to repentance. But that message is still relevant today as we prepare once again to celebrate the coming of our Lord. You look into our hearts deeply. For there are, there are areas of our lives that need cleaning, and we know that we cannot clean up in our own efforts. But by the power of your Spirit, you come again and again to not only clean, but refresh and completely change who we are. Transform us again, Lord, in this time, so that we can be new creatures in you and serve you as you would call us to serve. Thank you for these weeks of preparation, and as we look forward to to Christmas, we pray that we might open our hearts to you in a new and powerful way. Thank you for what you will do in your name. Amen.